And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. Well, speaking of uh, an American tale, Star Trek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a very... <laughs> I know we could talk about American tale all It's an intergalactic day, American really tale. Could, can we just watch that instead? Yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> better than this fucking shit watching. No, of course, Star shit Trek watching. is... Star Trek is always better than everything and anything mm. we could ever possibly mm. talk about or have a podcast about. I mean, probably. But. Can't top it. Um, top at least it. at least with Star Trek, we've gotten to episode six, Aaron. Bottom it. Episode six of our podcast. Episode six of Mock Time. Um, we are continuing our look at classic Star Trek. Uh, we're right in the middle of it. Last episode, we watched Friday's Child. Um, that was our first... Well, we went into it thinking it was going to be one of the our first average episode but i think at the end of that we all unanimously decided that it's probably a little lower than average a little lower than average um it was also our first klingon episode it needs to do some extra credit if it's going to graduate at the end of the school year let's uh, say that let's say that yeah <laughs> starting a little behind <laughs> um this next episode is actually going to be what they aired as the season premiere um, but Friday's Child was filmed first. The but this is going to be what they aired as the um, premiere. So that's what we're going to be watching today, the second season premiere. Um, and we're going to be watching it with our good friend, the very lovely Jake Barnes. How are you, Jake? I am well, thank you. And thank you for the introduction. I like being called lovely. Mm. That all, is nice. All of our guests are lovely except for the one of you, and you know who you are. Yeah. Jake, we all used to live together in mm-hmm. the boys' house. Yes. Um, specifically, you came in for Boys' House, The Next Generation. Indeed. Um, 2.0. And during that time, I would say things got much more musical when you came on. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, the playlists. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're always bringing the vibes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So many times just sitting around, the lights were going, and we were just listening to music and there would be nights where sometimes where you know we'd play past the dj but there are a lot of nights it was just you curating yeah playlists for us well i really appreciate people letting me have that sort of control because i i love to do it and i'm glad that you all enjoyed it because yeah. music is uh, my thing you know i i uh, i listen to music the way that some people binge shows you know i will I will sit there for six or seven hours, you know, just listening to album after album, binging, if yeah. you will. So um, it's cool to be able to have people that I can share that with and not just have it all locked in my own head. Um, what is it about music that, I don't know, captures your imagination or attention? What, like, what is it about music that just... I think music... Um, it has a tendency to speak to me in ways that people can't. The words can't, that the weather can't, that nothing in my world uh, speaks to me the way that music can. And uh, I've been heard, uh, I have heard it described as a universal language. And uh, and I think that that is very, very true. That's kind of a hard question. It's kind of a big question. It is a big question. But yeah, I guess uh, it, it speaks larger than any human language could. And uh, I think it resonates on a higher level than than we operate on. It's it's it vibrates on a higher plane. When we are listening to music, we are connecting to something larger than ourselves. 
We are connecting to the world around us, the people around us. We're connecting further into ourselves. And uh, it's almost like a vehicle that helps you get to some of those spiritual places a little bit quicker. Mm. You could probably get there through meditation or mm. certain exercises and things, um, maybe even psychedelics. But I, I think uh, music has that power to take you there also. I remember there was a time where you came to me and it's like, hey, um, there's this show called Sonic Highways. Um, Steve Grohl, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, Steve Grohl, Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl. Oh, did I say St- <laughs> so close? That's his brother, Steve, Steve Grohl, and his other brother, Shemp. Shemp Grohl <laughs> and Curly Grohl. <laughs> Dave Grohl. That's yes. got to be out there somewhere. Thank a Photoshop you. of Dave Grohl's face on all the Stooges. <laughs> Sonic Highways. Um, the guy from Foo Fighters, right, and, and, and Nirvana, and Nirvana. Um, it was a, it was a documentary where they would talk to notable people in the area, musicians, whoever, and like, and they would explore the music scene and the history. You know, when they went to Nashville, of course, was the whole the whole country scene, and and then of course they would write. They would write a song, and kind of based on. Yeah, his, his experiences ex- right. there, the the music, the history. There was the Southern California one. Mm-hmm. There was the Seattle, uh, Nashville. Uh, yeah, there was the Nashville. There was the Chicago, yeah, Austin. Yeah, um, it, it was emblematic of our love, our shared love for music and storytelling. Like yeah. both were happening at the same time. Like it was the story of music, mm-hmm. and then but then we would also listen to music. Um, Absolutely. And then also living together um, was when I introduced you to Star Trek. I remember thinking, I bet you, I mean, I I think everyone's going to like it. Not everyone does. But I thought in particular, I'm like, you know, I think Jake would dig this. Like the vibe and everything. Like, um, yeah, what did we do when we watched it? We, I think I showed you like a smattering from episodes across the franchise. Is that what we did? Yeah, that's exactly what happened is I was, I was given all the greatest hits. Uh, I was, okay, watch this episode from this show, watch this episode from this show. So I had, you know, peppering in of all a little bit of deep space nine, a little bit of Voyager. Um, but it really started to take off when we decided to watch it chronologically. Yeah. And that's started, what you wanted to do. Yes. Yeah. Well, I wanted to watch them all and we, we didn't know whether to start with the original series, like chronologically how they aired uh-huh. or chronologically how they take place in the universe of the show. Mm-hmm. And so we started with enterprise, which was a treat. Yeah. You can get past the opening credits. Oh man. That's a different episode. It's a different thing, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll <laughs> I get mean, there. speaking of music, it was, it was, it was, it was rough. Yeah, we'll get was a rough ride. Maybe we'll get you on a talk when we we'll do the first episode <laughs> just so we can talk about the song. It's really unfortunate because I think it single handedly killed that show. Yeah, I, I met so many people <laughs> who have said they could not get past that song. Even yeah. if you're a fan of the song, you just have to admit that song was like a barrier to entry for people. Yeah, I, I really, it my was, life is that way. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say it was a barrier for entry for me. I'm a Star Trek fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'll get there, folks. We got a long ways before we get to the new stuff. But we are watching um, today a mock time. A mock time. Um, yeah, so this aired uh, September 17th, 1967. Um, and this was the fifth episode 
produced for the second season, but like we said at the beginning, this was the second season premiere. Um, I think we talked a little about last episode how at this point the show was struggling. They you know, like they had been renewed, but things were already kind of looking a little dire for them. Um, so this was this is the second season premiere. So this was their attempt to have like a big splash, just. Get the new season going, maybe get some new energy, get him some new viewers, excite the people who have been watching. And I guess that can be one thing we kind of keep in mind um, as we're watching. Like, how does this work as, say, like a season premiere, especially with where they are in the, sh- the show? Does this Is this exciting? Is this a good one to get people excited about the show either again or get new people excited about the show? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm interested. I mean, I know things are, aren't usually filmed in order, but I, I um, I'm interested in the reasoning for choosing this episode after filming four others yeah. to to make it the the premiere. We're gonna go with this one. We're gonna go with this one. This this is the one. Um, uh, well, I think this will explain it a little bit, and this will be one of the things I think we're also looking at um, in this one is this is uh, one of the very. Maybe not very, but this is one of the few character-focused episodes of Star Trek, the original series. And so far, they haven't been um, specifically focused on the characters. Like, the closest we have maybe is just Kirk, just because he's the decision-maker. But they've all been more conceptual. And I think, as a whole, the original show is much more about the concepts and the, the themes. The encounters. The big encounters and what do we do. It's not really about the characters per se. Right. It's about how, what they do with it, you know, what they find. Um, but this is one of, this is one of the character focused episodes of the original 60s show. Uh, and this one focuses on, of course, the legendary Mr. Spock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably the one who gets, if, if not all, most of the character focused episodes at this point, he was definitely the breakout character of the show. And so that might explain a little bit as to why they decided to go with this one as the second season premiere. It's Spock. Ladies love Mr. Spock. Hippies love Mr. Spock. That too. Yeah. We all love Mr. Spock, but perhaps no one more than me. Um, and also to consider, this is the first, our first real look at the Vulcans. Uh, so far in our list, we've, we've met the Romulans. Last week, the Klingons. Um... And up to this point, the show hadn't really delved into the Vulcans, aside from just knowing Spock is a Vulcan, or at least yeah. half Vulcan. And first and only time, if I'm correct, that we visit the planet Vulcan in the original series. Yeah, I think there's another one where they are, they're in orbit, but uh-huh. like in terms of going to the planet, right. the, yeah, this is it, I think. The set design of Vulcan. Yeah. Coming in with the trivia. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Jake knows the Star Trek. I know some stuff about some things. Um, uh, and then finally, probably just another last little thing. This is also considered to be one of the best episodes of the original show, if not like one of the classics, if not one of the best. So like we did with Balance of Terror, maybe we can also talk about, um, yeah, is this still one of the best? And what about it makes it one of the best? It has my favorite line in all of Star Trek. Oh, I'd be curious to hear what this line is. Um, if you're watching this with us, um, which you should be, because that's the whole point of this podcast. Um, you can find it on Paramount+. Plus. If you bring up Star Trek, the original series, 
season two should be listed as episode one. Um, Jake and Aaron and I are going to find some more booze to drink. We're going to watch the episode and then we're going to come back. So get yourself a drink as well and come back for the discussion afterward. Hope to see you all then. You have become much known among our people, Spock. Almost a legend. And as the years went by, I came to know that I did not want to be the consort of a legend. But by the laws of our people, I could only divorce you by the caliphy. There was also Stan, who wanted very much to be my consort. And I wanted him. If your captain were Victor, he would not want me. And so I would have Stan. If you were Victor, you would free me because I had dared to challenge. And again, I would have stunned. But if you did not free me, it would be the same. For you would be gone. And I would have your name and your property. And Stan would still be there. Logical. Flawlessly logical. I am honored. Stan. She is yours. After a time, you may find that having is not so pleasing a thing after all as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true. Well, let's start with Jake. So, Jake, initial thoughts. We just watched a mock time. Um, everything you've heard about this episode is true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's awesome. 
And uh, it's been put on many, many lists as one of the best Star Trek episodes ever. Yeah. And I think, uh, after this viewing here tonight, that that, that stays... Uh, that that remains a true statement. All right, still one of the best. Indeed. Why do, why do you think that is? Why do you why why do you think it's remained one of the best? Oh, uh, definitely. I think you get one of these lightning in a bottle situations, capturing uh, this great uh, script combined with great performance, kind of a tour de force, uh, Leonard Nimoy. Um, so you get and and the music. So you've you've got all of the elements that come together in a very special way that you don't always see. All all of the episodes are solid, uh, but this one in particular is really really great. And I think uh, one of the reasons, in addition to those, is the friendship element mm. between Kirk and Spock. Yeah. I think I would agree with both of those points. I think those are, I think that those will all be points we go over. Yeah. Um, what about you, Aaron? I like the episode. I think it's it, it still holds up. It's still fun to watch. Uh, uh, seeing Spock go out of character and go take that full 180 is cool to see. Um, and Leonard Nimoy nails it. He's such a good actor. Uh, just kills it in this episode. Uh, if you, I feel like if you didn't really love the show, this would it would be a bit corny at times. Sure. But if you're buying into the characters and stuff, then then you're emo- you're with it. You're emotionally invested. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean the the Spock performance. <clears throat> excuse me. The Spock performance is really um, the crux of this episode. Everyone's great, but he, he in particular obviously is great. You know, he gets to explore an emotional depth that he doesn't get to do in really any of the other episodes to this degree. Mm-hmm. And it's great because it's like, oh my God, this is what like a very randy Vulcan looks like. Mm. Ah, mm. Mm. yes, here it is. I think it, it might be the most <laughs> dramatic episode we've come across. So far in our yeah. watching, it yeah. is very dramatic. Man. Very yeah. dramatic. High stakes, high emotions. But it doesn't come across as a, like a soap opera or melodramatic. Uh, to it, me, it the gets actors, close. It, it gets close, it, but I, it I feel like close. the actors are so committed. Yeah, absolutely. That, that the sincerity comes through. Mm. Especially the friendship between Kirk and Spock. It, it really shines through in this episode there's so much caring between the two mm-hmm. i think yeah like that's like my biggest impression of, of watching this is definitely kirk and spock i definitely think leonard nimoy is the one who gives the the great performance in this one um but uh seeing the two of them together um and just their relationship and also i guess to a degree as well like mccoy the little triad between the three of them. Cause that's also kind of a dynamic energy in this, the three of them, but yeah. most certainly Kirk and Spock. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the two actors play off each other. Like I think this is the episode that cements that like certainly Spock, but in particular, these two playing off each other is what makes the whole, yes. the whole show, the whole original show. And like you said, the friendship yes. between them, 
I do like that you brought up that McCoy part, though. I mean, he actually starts the episode out with concern. You know, the episode starts out with McCoy actually bringing this to Kirk's attention. Hey, you know, Spock is feeling some shit. And, and it's funny because they're these kind of comically, you know, they're, they're adversaries in, in certain ways and, and they butt heads a lot. And so it's very telling that the entire episode starts out with, hey, Jim, you know. Spock's going through some shit, and we got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, their concern for all three that they all have concern for each other, and even um, like you, like like we had talked about during the episode, Spock is showing a lot of concern also for his. He's feeling all this, but you can also tell like, oh, Captain and Bones, and like yeah. <laughs> I need you to be here for me, but like also like doesn't want to hurt anyone or. Sure. So there is like a mutual concern for everyone in this one. Um, yeah, it, it, definitely an episode that has a lot of heart, even if it is. It's also a very strange episode, I would say. Like, it's it got some is. wild vibes. The vibes are weird. The There's like a lot of sexual tension in it. There's weird tension in it that way. Spock's quarters don't make a lot of sense to me. There's these weird, like, red curtains that remind me of David Lynch's, like, what is it, Twin Peaks, where they're, like, in purgatory. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, no, this is what it is. There's going to be a little person running around. It's like this weird heaven purgatory thing, but no, it's just his medieval dungeon. He's got axe. It just uh, occurred to me that he probably just recently changed all that because of how he's feeling and doing it. It's like he's just preparing for ancient right battle, you know? interesting so that's what's usually his peaceful meditation chamber is turned into mm. this this <laughs> battle ready room <laughs> yeah ready you, room yes. you hear the, the 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 beginning of that theme when they're in spock's quarters yes. and they're talking about this thing that's affecting me jim and you hear that just in the back boom boom <laughs> slowly slipping into space yeah yeah, yeah. plants this season we are foreshadowing that something ominous is going to happen between these two friends. They will suddenly be foes. Oh, my God. Uh, that we should probably talk about the music. Now, that's a yes. good segue into the music, and especially what we are talking about earlier. Like we've, We have basically talked a little bit about... We've commented on the music every episode up to this point. Just like, oh, and the music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when the themes come in that you recognize, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and, and throughout the episode, there is this uh, great guitar they are talking about that's very suspenseful. It adds this crazy level of uh, someone's going to die soon or something. <laughs> very Western. Yeah, Western, yeah. Bow, that's bow, 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 Yeah. Stand oh, there's a, yeah, there's a duel about to happen. The music is great. It sets the tone for uh, so many of the scenes, as music does in, in, in all movies, but the the obviously... The scene where Kirk and Spock have to fight each other, the music there is so intense and so engaging, but also so memorable. So memorable. You know, it, it transcends just regular TV music. Um, I think you know, you know. I think this episode, for for all that it does, awesome. This, it we we would be remiss to not talk about. It's got some goofy elements to it. Explain. Um, just. There is a kind of, we are going to this 
alien society where they have this crazy taboo wedding ritual and uh-oh i've broke one of their taboos and now i've gotta fight my best friend in a fight to the death very easily avoided with oh by the way this is a fight to the death oh then i refuse <laughs> yes they don't they don't tell it until after the fact it is slightly addressed in a weird way mm. spock has this like breakdown where he's like I can't fight my friend. That's true. Yep. He doesn't know what he's getting into. Doesn't know. Yeah, jib jab. But yeah, there's like this underlying male desire to express their primal urges through the whole thing, you know? Like mm-hmm. these super logical creatures suddenly going in, into heat, basically. Well, and, and yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. There is that weird male aspect towards the end that. So he, he, he tells. Um, his wife, former wife, mm-hmm. former fiance, whatever. Spoiler but, alert, he does not uh, get the bride slash wife in this episode. not end up together. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no fucky fucky. Mm-mm. No fucky fucky. <laughs> Seems like there may have been a little bit of sucky fucky in the past. Mm, maybe. <laughs> so no. she's telling him, hey, you know, I picked Kirk because if Kirk wins, he'll reject me and I have this other dude. If you win, you'll reject me because I picked Kirk uh, for the champion, and I'll have this other dude. Or if you still want me, you'll go off with Starfleet. I'll have your name, I'll have your house, and I'll still bang this other dude. Yeah. Now, yeah. but the reason that she has this flawless logic is because initially she says that she's not allowed to divorce him, yeah. and, and that 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 is an interesting dynamic too. That even with this highly evolved society, no emotion fully logical that that it still has that male dominant he's allowed to divorce her she's not allowed to divorce him and that's basically the entire episode we don't have an episode if she's allowed to divorce him nothing happens she sends him a a a dear john letter and that's the end of it Um, and then make sure she basically gets her way no matter what yeah. yeah it's that's a good segue into like sort of talking about how this episode like aside from now we're getting a look at the Vulcans who up to this point we've all they've just told like Vulcans are highly logical and any kind of like emotion or human bits with Spock is usually just explained as well he's half human so when you're going to do an episode where it's like we're going to show the Vulcan society for the first time it's like I feel like they they play against expectation where it's like you think it's going to be some highly ordered society that's just logical to a fault just like um, and you know we don't see anything beyond this ritual this wedding ceremony but the glimpse we get is just whoa it's almost the complete opposite where it's like nothing about this is logical this is all just like irrational like primitive primal like sex energy and like mixed with violence and fighting and and it's all and he like he says in the in the scene in his quarters with kirk it's like we shroud it in like ritual and custom it's it's like they're really emphasizing the fact that Vulcans do have emotions. They repress them. And they're like, well, if we're talking about a society with really passionate emotions that's repressing them, it makes complete sense that we see this. Yeah, this to is some explosive. degree. 
sexual energy to the point where he he says i'm gonna die yeah if i don't do this the ultimate pent-up energy (laughs) yeah but as like a on a macro level like Uh the whole because the whole society suppresses themselves they all kind of react in this way it's very and it seems like they kind of i mean not even seems like they do it to themselves because uh they arranged this marriage from the time Spock was like seven years old yep. and to print was seven and they linked their minds basically so this would occur at this specific time so yeah. like I don't know intergalactic mutual randy <laughs> that but it is what happens <laughs> it's it's got some interesting weird implications like we're talking about a society that has arranged marriages from when you're kids mm-hmm. you know and like in a society that structured prides itself on its logic it's like Okay. Except during this this one time. This one time. And it's Let like logic go out the window and just well, whatever. Go ham. Yeah, and then the fact that they also it's like it's not a big part of the episode, but they he does mention that like we touch minds and we're like bonded, so we're compelled to come back to each other. I'm like, how much consent do these kids have in any of this? Like it's kind of if you really think about it, just like what what does this imply for Vulcan as a society? Just wild wacky stuff and they seem yeah when because spock seems super embarrassed about everything and there almost seems to be this weird like shame but it's like but this is just the way it is there is a shame and he even talks about how no one talks about it even amongst vulcans it's so deeply personal using his words that that it's not discussed even amongst his own people. So that that to me is very interesting because it's something that literally happens to every Vulcan person, but none of them discuss it with each other. They just live off of the ideas of tradition. So nothing ever really changes and nothing is ever explored. Which, if you grew up in the Mormon church, that absolutely tracks. Mm. I mean, or, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it happens in other religions too, like things you don't even find out about the the religion you grew up in until you go through it yourself and it's super weird and strange and primitive and culty like yeah culty yes yeah zealot comes to mind with uh like the word zealot when you look at these ceremonies that spock is going through yeah it kind of makes you wonder like they keep excusing it and it's like uh, it's just like these primitive feelings and it's like this is we had to come up with something, but we just can't really think our way through this. And it's like, it just makes you wonder like how much of this is because of their actual biological nature, but also how much of this is also like culturally conditioned, right. societally they've conditioned. Able, they've been able to overcome every emotional hurdle yeah. except this except one. This one. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of handling it in some sort of reasonable manner, no, no. Let's fight each other to the death. Let's yeah. Let's hurt each other. Let's, uh, and that's not logical. It's crazy that their marriages are the complete antithesis of what they stand for. <laughs> yeah, you can legally murder someone. Yeah. In one of these Vulcan wedding ceremonies. Well, you know, it's her right to choose a champion. <laughs> yeah, she's got to f- pick them to fight to the death. That's the only <laughs> way she can get out of this scenario that she doesn't want to be in. Like, also, what does that say about? Vulcan society like but you know in a way it enriches them in a way where it's like they are not perfect you do not walk away with this picture of the Vulcans being perfect after this it's like 
interesting did, but deeply flawed and but but that enriches them i did like the design yeah. that they had you know it's the first time we see vulcan it's the first time we see a lot of other people from vulcan and i love the wedding party we get the like the tin punch the, the tin foil poncho, you know? With, like, the almost plague masks. Right. I see the invitations, like, yeah, please don't wear white. Yeah. <laughs> please bring your best tin ponch. It makes me wonder what a Romulan wedding would look like. Yeah. If it's the opposite or something oh, similar. Oh, man, this is not iron. <laughs> it's just, like, a nice destination on a beach with beautiful blue water. Romulans are having the right. great old party. There's Romulans are like, man, I'm so glad we got out of that. Oh, we're just going to like take off our shoulder pads for a minute and just yeah. jump in the water. Oh. It's really nice that I got to like have sex today without killing my best friend. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Mm. I appreciate that. So glad we left Vulcan. That was All pretty right. cool. Tomorrow we'll clocking back in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to my warbird to patrol the neutral zone for weeks at a time. Back on Vulcan. Oh, I must procreate. Friend, come here. I must kill you. <laughs> I have to find my best friend. And best man. And best man to the death. I want you to be my best man. Yeah, Spock could even tell him here in the turbo lift, just like, I want you to be there with me, Captain. And you as well, Dr. McCoy. And just while they're waiting a few more seconds, as like the decks are passing by, just, by the way, Jim, it is possible you will be asked to fight to the death against me. What? <laughs> He's very clearly not himself. He's all out of sorts. I yeah, killed so my captain. We gotta forgive Spock for the lack of judgment here. Oh my God. Um, so Spock in this episode, um, how do we feel about this as a show, as a character showcase for Spock? Because everything around this episode revolves around Spock. There are no intergalactic stakes. There are no. It's it's all about what's gonna happen with Spock. Um, well, I I feel. From from an acting perspective, it's a it's a tour de force. Mm. He gets a chance to explore many ranges of emotion in just a fifty minute episode. Yeah. So, uh, for him alone, it's a lot to tap into, in not a lot of time. So, as a performer, that can be difficult to find those justifications to go from zero to ten without a whole lot of dialogue or a whole lot of setup. Just like, hey, you're going through, you know, Vulcan horny time. We, we need you to just make a choice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I think he comes through fully. Uh, you can tell that he really studies the script mm-hmm. and, and knows exactly the moments where he's supposed to uh, fight against what's happening to him, especially when it comes to Kirk stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely gives a great performance. Um, Leonard Nimoy really brings the character to life in this one, since he's playing against type, his type. Um, but unabashedly Spock, regardless. Yes. Like, even though he feels like Spock out of control or Spock in not in his usual way, but like, he still feels like Spock. It'd be really easy just to just go off the rails with it. Um, but if anything, he's even more focused when he's like. He's like, there are the scenes where he's like holding like the pen behind his back. Like when yeah. he's talking with Kirk and he's, he's like, about to stab he's him? about to stab him or something. And you see him just like wrestling with that pen behind him. And um, they don't, they don't talk about it. It's not addressed in the, in that scene. It's just, 
they're just filming Spock from the back, talk to Kirk, and he's just holding that pen behind him. Right. And he's just, you can tell, like, the the um, the energy it's taking to just hold his shit together. And it's like, and that's his best friend that's in the room with him. And great job with the cinematography for, you know, taking the time to zoom in on those moments. Um, really not not hit the audience over the head with its message, but be very blatant to the audience like, hey, Spock is unwell mm-hmm. and he's doing things that are out of the norm. Mm-hmm. So these weird little zooms on his hands and stuff are really helpful. Mm-hmm. They telegraph it well. Telegraph. I love that it confirms uh, everything that humans have been have been jabbing at Spock since... Uh, his first appearance is like, I think you got more emotion than you're letting on, pal. Mm-hmm. And you see it, it's like, yes, by a factor of 10,000. Uh, these yeah. extreme, deep emotions. Where does this human come into all that? Mm-hmm. Can't he, be helping, certainly. He has all this happening, and in the midst of it, half of him is human. <laughs> that might <laughs> be be, <laughs> might be what's holding him back from fighting Kurt. Right. Or that snaps him out of it in the end. His friendship mm-hmm. for Kirk, you know, the person he 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 loves probably more than her or anyone. So Captain Kirk. Aside from our first time seeing Chekhov, you were saying it's our first time seeing Nurse Chapel. Is that true? That's uh, this is the first time that we have seen her in our watch through. She does show up earlier in the show. Oh, I see. That. Um, but we should probably mention Nurse Chapel, like, because she's definitely one of the like she's probably the last of like the main like original crew like we've seen yeoman rand a bit not anymore but now we've seen nurse chapel and you don't see her as much you know actually you you do see her a fair amount so in a lot of ways she is just kind of one of the day players it's easy to forget that she kind of was on the same par with have you discussed the it's gene roddenberry's wife no well we haven't talked about nurse chapel at all but we have talked about um because the very first episode we watched the cage the original pilot and Major Barrett, Gene Roddenberry's wife, plays number one in that episode. But they weren't married yeah. at the time. She was his girlfriend at the time. and But he was married. And, and she, uh, she wasn't blonde. She, her, her, her natural hair color is that kind of jet black that you see yeah. in, the, in the cage. That's her natural hair color, what she really looks like. So, But, but Gene, has the beehive blonde as the yeoman. As the nurse, yeah. like That was, the, nurse. That was Roddenberry's attempt to get her back in the show and try to kind of hide that it's a, the same actress playing a different part. Cause I don't from stories that there are stories that the network wasn't weren't fond of major Barrett because she was Gene Roddenberry's girlfriend mm-hmm. and but he was married at the time. And they're like, no, we don't want this. Like, oh, in it was the, like his mistress. Basically. Yeah. They would eventually get married, but at the time, yeah, it was oh, essentially wow. his mistress. I didn't know there was scandal. Yeah. There's some, there's some like, controversy and conflicting stories about her being the first officer in the first episode and why she doesn't carry on the net because the network didn't want her it's like if we're going to do the show we can't have the female first officer and spock and then so roddenberry was like uh well i want both but i can fight for maybe one and have to lose the other so he fought for spock and dropped the female first officer but he wanted to get majel back in the show and created the part of Nurse Chapel to well, get her on the show. She also went on to do many other things, playing Deanna Troy's mother. Oh yeah, and uh, computer. And the computer voice of the Enterprise and 
basically every Starfleet ship for many, many years. Yeah. Um, we will, on this list, eventually get to see her house. Yeah, Troy's mom walks on. A, we do have a Oh, couple. those walks on episodes. We have a couple of them. Classic. Still get a bit before we get there, folks, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, That's Odo's music in the DS9 walks on episode. <laughs> Episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so how do we feel about that fight? The fight itself? Yeah, it's, the choreography is cool. It's so good, but I think also when we're talking about some of the campy, silly, goofy elements, it's also goofy. Absolutely. What it's they, completely they goofy. Kirk, he's like, oh my god, <laughs> I've been cut just the little slice across his chest and the shirt all splayed open. My nipples. Yeah, they've got bleeding. like these American gladiator warrior weapons. Yeah, the what's it called? The the lirpa, the as she lirpa. calls it. It's got a blade on one end and a bludgeon on the other. Predecessor or predecessor to the battle. That we see later. Predecessors of the Batleth. The alien blades that come forward in Star Trek. And then when uh, she halts the fight, Spock like freezes in time, like. I don't think you need to do that. Like no one else does. He's deep in the blood fever. Guess, the the, the block, like, the plaque takes out. a freeze. You know, you like, know what? Smart. Very literal. Like, he doesn't even stand up straight. Like everyone, you know, kind of talks to the to Powell and everybody. Yeah. He's stuck there in like hunched over wrestling mode. Yeah, she yells "Kroika," but that's the Vulcan <laughs> word for freeze. I'm assuming, and so Spock literally just in his to Powell said freeze. <laughs> yes, auntie. <laughs> nah. Um, we should also mention if we're talking about Tapao, um, the performance by, I believe the actress' name is Celia Lovsky, just this classic Russian actress Excellent that they got to come play it. Yes, and she's oh yeah, she's great. She really, it's fun to see because like all all most of our perception of the Vulcans has been Spock at this point, and she's really good for providing like a. Not a counter example, but like, here's another Vulcan, and she's not playing Spock at all. But you can, but she feels very alien and very Vulcan oh, in yeah. a different, more very intense way. Um, Did you all catch at the beginning when they get to Vulcan, where it's very hot, and McCoy says something along the lines of like, "It's hot as Vulcan," or yeah. I now understand that saying i know what that phrase means now hot as vulcan hot as vulcan but have you ever heard that in any other episode no. he makes it sound like it's this common phrase like oh i've heard that before now i get it hot as vulcan makes sense to me never visit it again in no. any episode you never hear it again <laughs> i wonder if lower decks has thrown it in there at one point Woo, that was hot as vulcan shut up i hope so. <laughs> that's the show to bring it back oh everyone says this yeah, hot, hot. It's, it's hot as vulcan it makes it seem like a lot of people say yeah. it. Oh, like, man, it's hot as Vulcan. You know, and now I get that. I've heard that so often. But, you know, to be fair, like, to I fair. I love the attempt to, like, what are the, how do people speak in this time? Like, and it's like, instead of just trying to use contemporary phrases, it's like, if Vulcan is this hot planet, you know, it's like, yeah, people at this time say stuff like, oh, man, it's hot as Vulcan. You know, we have we ever heard this before? No. <laughs> but at least I love that there's an attempt to like. But now that it's been it's, established, it's in a episode phrase. One yeah. Of the season, perhaps maybe, in, and it's just one more episode. It'll show up. Hot as Vulcan. Could you imagine if instead what Hot their choice Vulcan. was? 
every episode after this, they find a way to throw it in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's hot as Vulcan, because everyone says that all the time. we got to get this air conditioning uh, fixed. Just loud just saying, with hot as Vulcan. This second season's got a lot of that line, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, the, are we having fun yet? <laughs> Um, hot as Vulcan. Pretty good, pretty good, uh, universe building, galaxy building, world building, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, it was going for an episode deep into the Vulcan way. Uh, we should also mention because you but you mentioned this a little bit, Jake, that um, the prequel don't show the prequel series Star Trek Strange New Worlds that's yes. currently. Well, it's, it's, we're right, right as of recording, we're in the middle of the first and second season. But they have it's all a prequel to this show. It's like a few years before, and we do see um, Spock's fiance, um, T'Pring, show up in a few episodes, and we kind of see like their courtship, I guess. Like yeah. they already are bonded, but they're getting to know each other a little bit before they get married, mm-hmm. I guess is what's going on. We see Spock essentially commit himself to her yeah. um, and say that she's more important than his duties to Starfleet. Mm. Which, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that ends up being true in the end. Certainly. After n- this episode. <laughs> no. She's like, oh yeah, I'm into this like other cat. Who, uh, just side note for a second, this other guy somehow looks a lot like Spock. Oh, yeah. You know, this, yeah. like, other... He also looks like... Spock guy. Adam Driver made a baby with his own nose. And- <laughs> <laughs> Adam Driver baby with himself. You get this guy. And But also, yeah, Leonard Nimoy um, looks a lot like him, too. They do look a lot alike, so yeah. she got a type. Mm, got I just type. like this version better. She just didn't want to be... Because uh, she, she was afraid of being the consort of a legend. Consort of a legend. She says that in Strange New Worlds, too. She brings that up. Does she? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, funny that, yeah, it is interesting to see, I guess. That is an odd reasoning. For she doesn't want to be famous. She just wants to live that. on your man. She just wants to be that simple, leave that simple Vulcan. Life. I get wanting that, but I mean, like. You empathize with her a little bit because she can't get out of the relationship, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, neither can he, though. Right. So I, I empathize with them both. Bound by society must not bring dishonor. Nimoy steals the show. Shatner, he's kind of, I don't know, he's kind of, he gives an interesting performance in this. Like, he's a little whimsical or a little teasy or a little, he's got this little devil energy behind him through some of this. Like, while he's, like, trying to get, like, Spock to open up to him, he's throwing little, in little, like, well, Mr. Spock, it happens to the birds and the bees. Like, he is a little kind of flippant still with some of his approach. Yeah. He's just got to be so happy he's getting to see this other side of Spock. Like, oh. <laughs> Mr. High and Mighty. Oh. Completely logical, Mr. Spock. <laughs> eh? Yeah, secretly Vulcans are the most hyper uh, hyper emotional people in the entire galaxy. And that's the whole joke is everyone's just like, yeah, logical. Mm-hmm. Subtle. Subtle. Um, oh, so... You did mention at the beginning of this, Jake, that you had a favorite line from this, and I do believe I guessed it right. You did guess it right. Um, I need to, like, find an exact quote of it. Oh, I got the quote. Oh, where is it? <laughs> what is it? Come on, man. 
Draymond. It's in my brain. This is definitely like this is one of those quotes I give to people from time Please to time. Tell us the quote because I do love it and I do think it is important for humans in general to know. Oh, it's so good. It's total Spock wisdom slash Spock shade all at the same time. When he gets spurned and after everything happens and Kirk is quote dead. And then he goes to and asks to Pring, like, why would you do this? And she gives him the reasons. He's like, okay. And then he calls over Stan, the other guy. Um, who I should also throw in real quick. I think he was in Balance of Terror. I His think name's Stan? Stan. 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 I think he was in. I'm going with Stan. 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 Spock. Stan. Stanley. Stanley. Um, Sounds like a fucking he played the <laughs> he played the Romulan lieutenant in Balance of Terror. The guy who was like we commented was like drinking the Romulan Kool Aid. The same guy. Same actor, yeah. He's in the he's in the opening Romulan episode that we watched. I'm like unlike now that we've been talking about. It, I'm like oh the I think not that, is Nimoy Nimoy. Yeah, that yeah I think he's yeah he's in the Romulan episode. He's one of the Romulans. He looks like he's the Romulan like <laughs> lieutenant who's like yeah drinking the Kool Aid and like we have to attack the Earthmen. Captain, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. Um, Sorry. Anyway, tangent. Uh, Do be commanded. So Spock brings him over and is like, you may find um, that after a time, having is not so pleasing a thing after all as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true. And it's... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, I, every once in a while, I find a golden opportunity where someone has like a moment where I'm like, ah, they need to hear this line. As my old good friend Mr. Spock once said, <laughs> they tell you to like fuck off after. Fuck off! <laughs> oh, God, you know that's that's down. that's good. That's good advice. It is. It is good advice, and it's it's very real advice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a common theme that I have, I have heard in in other stories as well, but I find it extremely well articulated by someone who is not of Earth mm-hmm. to look at humanity. And not just humanity, but all beings in the universe and make this very uh, poignant uh, point of, hey, you know, we want things because we want them. And then once we have them, sometimes we tend to discard them. Yeah. We have all kinds of concepts and cliches for that. Yeah. Like buyer's regret. Yeah. Grass is not always greener, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's definitely like the Vulcan, but very to-the-point version. Yeah. Savage. It is savage. Yeah, that last line. You can see, like, the faces, their faces at the end of the To Preen's face, like, oh, shit, did I make the wrong choice? Oh, that damn. Was, that, that was savage. Should I have chose Stan? That was hot as fuck. Stan. Damn it. <laughs> Why am I wet? <laughs> um... Oh, we should also mention it's the first time we see like the Vulcan salute, the live long and prosper. Yes, yes, yes. We the first time we see the salute and hear that particular line, right? Mm-hmm. Live uh, long and prosper. Yeah, I believe um Spock, Leonard Nimoy got that from as a kid when he was in He said it was Jewish, correct? It was Jewish yeah. and like they'd be in church, um, and they were all supposed to be closing the eyes during like this prayer and the rabbi, I, I believe, up there, kind of saying the prayer, and you're know, like, but you're not supposed to. See, you're not supposed to see. It's like because I think the idea is like, you know, the spirit of God or something is entering the room, and you know, we need to be. It's like a respectful kind of a thing, and of course, little Leonard Nimoy though is curious and looks, and he sees the, the kind of rabbi, 
he sees the rabbi making that symbol kind of out there, you know, to the congregation. And he said that's where he got the idea. So, yeah, I guess it's Jewish in origin. That's awesome. You know, um, Joseph Smith got killed for stealing stuff from other religions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Leonard, you got to be careful. You got to be careful with that. <laughs> you don't want to end up like Joseph Smith. You, you don't oh, want to no. No, no, you know, nor do you want to be Joseph Smith. No, that's awesome. Or associate yourself with someone like Joseph. I mean, he had some—he had some fun years, certainly. Hard and feathered. <laughs> what a time! You but, gotta, you gotta take the rough with the smooth, you know. Yeah. How do we feel about the ending? The last scene upon, like Spock thinks he's killed Kirk at his wedding ceremony, and he's devastated, and he thinks he's basically going to the stockade and goes up to the ship and he's Kirk's fine and McCoy slips in with the drug and fakes death and <laughs> you see Spock in his emotional state have a, a positive reaction to seeing Kirk I think that's that's a nice button cries out with joy yeah I think it's great calls him Jim yeah. you see him smile with his teeth and everything and it's a wonderful way to end and you know it, it's funny too when he tries to get back into his very stoic mode uh-huh. in front of everyone's like definitely can't break face and then they kick nurse chapel out of their boys club yeah <laughs> yeah they do it really is very endearing though the how much joy spock gets from seeing that captain kirk is still alive it's it's really fun to watch and it's, it's nice friendship that they share yeah, I think that whole last scene definitely puts the button on it. Like, definitely, like, this is about friendship. This whole story has been about friendship. And I think I think we've maybe have mentioned this briefly before, but I think when they were creating the show, I was like, we're going to do this, like, cool space western, and it's going to have these really cool ideas. I don't think what they realized what was going to happen is, like, what was this show going to be about? And I think it's about friendship. Like, this, in particular, this original series i think in general the the themes of friendship um go go across all but in particular like the bond between kirk and spock is like front and center of the whole show and then also mccoy the kirk spock mccoy show certainly kirk and spock but the three of them certainly um a mock time yeah um next week we're looking at another spock episode we're getting kind of like a little bit of a twofer um we're going to be watching Journey to Babel, which is when we meet Spock's parents. And that's also going to be our first look at kind of the Federation. It's kind of been like referenced and alluded to a couple times so far in our watch through, but it's all been kind of very vague, like who they work for or what any of this is. And that's the first time that they kind of start to flesh any of what that is. Oh, yeah. And who's going to be your guest on that episode? Ah, we a TBD, Jake. It was originally going to be you, but we moved you up in the schedule. Nice. We brought you in to talk about friendship, Jake, because oh. we are friends with you. It's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all very by the seat of our pants at the moment. All right. Well, we'll be back um, with Journey to Babel. Tune in. Um, tune in then, Aaron. Babylon. Thank you so much for having me. Really, thank you. Thank you, Jake. We're going to have you back on real soon. Right on. Mm. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening. 
If you'd like to share your own Star Trek story or give us a hot take on the episode we just watched, you can join the conversation by visiting our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.